If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Hello there and welcome to today's News Talk. It's Friday. I've survived the first week, which is quite phenomenal in its own way. I want to thank all you lovely people who've sent me message messages of encouragement. It is truly appreciated. Hello, HMS on uh, Twitter, obviously X now, who says you're doing an amazing job enjoying your show here in New Zealand at 8pm. Well, good evening to you. Thank you for touching base. I feel incredibly blessed and I'm giving thanks. You know, we've been talking this week about raising our vibrations and the importance of doing so. And I think that oftentimes our world focuses far too much on the negative and what we lack rather than what we actually have. Tell me in the comments what you are thankful for. You can also write to me at sonyapolton at tntradio.live and tell me what makes you feel blessed. Let's spread those positive vibes and bring up those vibrations. I personally feel incredibly blessed and thankful for my daughter. She's now 26 and I have been so sincerely blessed with her for the first three days of this. This is a little secret for the first three days of the show this week. She rang me at 5 a.m. just to double check that I was up because I was so anxious that I would oversleep. There was no reason why I should feel like that because I'm generally an early riser anyway. She also sent me a beautiful bouquet um, literally half an hour after I'd finished my first show. I love her so much and I feel so blessed to have her. So tell me, what are your blessings? Um, let's quickly go to the wonderful people in the comments. Are you telling me yet what your blessings are? Lovely people. Let's see what's going. Extremely grateful for my son. He is my blessing. Ah, oh, I hear that. Who's that? Sorry, let me just see. Um, oh, somebody said, Chris says, thankful I've got a brain. That brainwashing doesn't work on me. I hear you. Ah, Zoe. Zoe says, extremely grateful for my son. He is my blessing. And hallelujah to that, Zoe. I hear you. I feel you. Oh, Holly says, my dog, my garden. Did you? Did it just say, and my wine rack? I hear that as, as well, Holly. No, no complaints here. Um, and uh, my children and my dogs. Insight says, we fat shug. Shug. I've been saying shug like he's some sort of gangster. Shug. And uh, my children. Oh, yes, exactly. Blessed to have Craig in my life, says Zoe. My dog, Benji. My girls. My wife, Olive, says Matt. Oh, waking up in the morning, says Brett. Wonderful. I love that. My wife, daughters and extended family. Just a bloke who asks questions. These are wonderful, wonderful responses. I already feel our vibration shooting up, which is just as well, because oftentimes the fact is a lot of the news is negative. We have no alternative to, but to cover it and we can do the very best we can. Now, I want to talk about um, a story that I had referred to at the start of the week. I promised to explore more issues of this underground tunnel at one of the, uh, actually probably the most famous recognized Jewish synagogue in the world at the Chabad Lubavitch World HQ in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. The official, so I've done some digging, no pun intended. The official story is that a group of students have begun digging the tunnel with their bare hands in the belief that their rabbi, uh, Manishan uh, Sneerson, who died in 1994, is the Messiah and they, he can only return if they expand their sight. It is said that the students responsible did it to fulfill 
a religious obligation as somebody who is not religious in any way that makes absolutely no sense to me that doesn't mean i disrespect what other people think or 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 adhere to but the fact is that there are still far more questions than answers about what has really been going on this i have discovered is actually a three decade long saga I saw a number of tweets which said, you know, which has questioned it deeply. And one of the tweets said, I have so many questions. And one of the responses, I think we all do. And I think that summed it up perfectly. What on earth was going on there? Certainly, it plays into the notion of underground tunnels. Other complain that the discovery of it and worldwide attention plays into anti-Semitic tropes. We certainly saw soiled mattresses being pulled out, a child's high chair. Um, so, So it is nine men were arrested ages 19 to 21 for criminal mischief and reckless endangerment. The real story is, of course, still emerging. For many people, the tunnels are actually a no-brainer. This Now that it's all been exposed, that it will be given the go-ahead by New York City Department. They will allow the expansion of it. But there is no smoke without fire. Um, A known rabbi, Rabbi Rosenberg, opened a New York City helpline for sex abuse complaints and posted appeals on YouTube, CNN and other places. And he believes that around half of young males in Brooklyn's Hasidic community have been victims of sexual assault perpetrated by their elders. There are a series of helplines that can help them. This is a story that I'm going to keep digging on because all the official sources that you look around at New York Times, The Guardian, wherever, they all relay the same story about this being a long-held understanding of allowing the Messiah to return. But the internet is not convinced. The internet is not at all convinced. The internet believes that this is about trafficking and who knows, we will certainly keep exploring that further. We'll be back after this very short break with Gemma. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome back to today's News Talk. And I am joined by Gemma Cooper. Good morning, Gemma. Hello there, Sonia. And well done for your first week here at TNT. You've done an absolutely amazing job. And I love the way you kick off at the end of the week. It's always lovely to end a Friday on a positive note and asking everybody in the chat what they're grateful for. Just listening to the responses there. I do think Holly is fast becoming my new best friend. You know, my dog, my garden and my wine rack. That's absolutely on my street. But also, isn't it it interesting that... um, that you know that all everything that everybody is grateful for doesn't involve a material possession it doesn't involve right. oh, I'm grateful for my bmw i'm grateful for my four bedroom house it's immediately human connection and love that the things that immediately people go to and love of animals as well as people as well and and i just think that speaks volumes the instant responses you're getting they're all coming from the heart i'm grateful for the people in my life i'm grateful for the things that bring me joy none of that revolves around status or material possessions so what a really great way to kick off the show on a friday Thank you. I appreciate that. I actually have a friend who works in end of life care. And she said that that when people are dying, they're not recalling their fast cars or any of their materialism or the hours spent in the office. They are recalling the memories of spending time with loved ones. And so that is exactly really it, isn't it? Is that these are the things that matter at the end of the day. And that is not to say that this doesn't matter. This matters very much. This is also where my heart and soul is as well. But uh, yes, my daughter is my number one gratitude 
gratitude. So thank you for that, uh, Gemma. I think it is really important, isn't it, that we just keep lifting our vibrations because there's so much that is trying to, and the moment that they are able to drag us down into that negativity, that's when, you know, we're, we're, we're unable to find solutions to the many problems that they are throwing at us constantly. So thank you. I appreciate that very much. I am also grateful for Gemma. And uh, Gemma, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, just on that note, actually, yeah, joy is our secret weapon. It is our secret oh, weapon. It's, yes. not so, it's not so secret, actually. It's like it is the weapon we have against the onslaught of fear. If you just laugh in the face of it and go, yeah, I'm just enjoying my day, mate. I'll see you later to the global elites. You've won. It's hard to yes. do, but but let's let's do it here at TNT. But yeah, literally, this story Hallelujah. crossed my radar this story crossed my radar um, just, just a few few minutes ago as I was doing a kind of roundup of what's going on in the world. And uh, it just has parallels. I mean, we have got, you know, uh, Princess Catherine is uh, in, in hospital at the moment and, and Prince William has decided he will drop all his duties to to kind of go to her bedside. And they, they, they seem to have come in for a lot of criticism for that. Um, I'm not passing judgment either way. But here in this country, you know, people have said what they feel about Prince Catherine being in hospital and William. And they've come in for a bit of, you know, a bit of flack. Fair enough. But in Thailand, there's a guy who an appeals court ruled yesterday. He's 30 years old and he faces today 50 years in a Thai prison for criticizing the monarchy on social media. Um, and, and this is a law that is so strict. People have already gone down for this law, but this man is facing the longest ever sentence, 50 years, for a series of posts on social media. He's 30 years old. He's an online clothing seller from um, the northern part of Thailand. He was already facing 28 years in jail, <clears throat> excuse me, for comments he made about the royal family on Facebook three years ago. Yesterday, he was in an appeals court. This was where, by the time we'd come off air, the UK contingent of TNT, but this is our first opportunity to broadcast this story. Um, an appeals court yesterday added 22 years onto that 28-year sentence for finding him guilty of 11 more violations on social media of criticizing the royal family. Now, details of what he actually said about the Thai royal family have not been published because, of course, if you publish mm. them again, you're then guilty right. of the same offense. Oh, so it's not been that's published. insane. <laughs> Yeah, and it's been brought in under the Thai law Les Majestés, otherwise known as Article 112, um, which insulting the monarchy in any shape or form comes with a prison term of between three and 15 years for each separate offence and different posts on social media. So if you put one thing on Instagram, one thing on Facebook, even if it's the same post, but it's on different media, that is classed as separate offences. Um, this law is really controversial in Thailand. It was briefly suspended in 2019, but due to some student protests three years ago, they were brought back and it affects more than 260 people involved in those protests. One of the people who led the protest, an activist and a lawyer, has had his sentence lengthened from four to eight years for posts that he put up. So it's really showing how the clampdown on free speech right around the world is in lockstep because this law was being relaxed. I think before 2020, this law that people were realizing this doesn't really fit with kind of, you know, global values. And this was 2019. Then of course, right. 2020 hit, there were protests and they brought this less majesty rule back. Can you imagine the amount of people in the UK today criticizing William and Kate if we had this law been brought in? You can argue, will it be? You know, will the, will the, is this setting right. a precedent of these tight laws? We've had the Online Safety Act passed here in the UK. We've got fact checkers everywhere. Free speech is being clamped down on like never before. This guy's 30 years old. If he goes to prison for 50 years, then that's it. His life is ruined. One civil servant in her 60s was convicted under this law for uploading audio recordings from somebody else 
onto YouTube and Facebook. She was in her 60s. She went down for 43 years. She was a retired civil servant in Thailand. Oh, so come free speech. On. I know free speech is under attack like never before, which is why it's so important here at TNT. We fly the flag for free speech every day. This is actually a shocking story, though, because this is 2024, for goodness sake. I mean, you and I were commenting yesterday about how the British press is completely falling over itself about routine operations involving Charles and Kate. And there, there, there have been more editorials where literally these columnists are like, my heart goes out to Kate. And it's like these people have no compassion for, you know, mothers watching their children die before that you know they even reach adulthood or anything else but their their deep compassion is with privileged overprivileged members of the royal family and i i love the the background that i have which is tower bridge and obviously people like you and i we would have been dragged off to the tower of london hundreds of years ago and be beheaded for the fact you know that that we are prepared not just to question royalty but to insult it and that has to be a, an absolute tenet of our freedom of of speech to be able to do that. But I agree with you. I worry about the whole idea of lockstep. And we do know that there are so many laws that are being um, rammed through at this moment through the British Parliament that is about clamping down on, on our freedom of speech. And it is all about, isn't it? Isn't it about like doffing our cap to the hierarchy and not questioning the so-called elite? That frightens the life out of me, Gemma. Do you ever think that something like that could happen here? Well, before 2020, I would have said absolutely not, you know, that Thailand is a very different country to the UK and Thailand has very different cultural expectations. But now, since 2020, we all know how the world can go into lockstep in a heartbeat and we all know how dangerous that can be. And we all know the, the kind of fallout we're still looking at from 2020 onwards of, you know, excess deaths and just the, the horrible inhumaneness of not being able to see your loved ones or bury your loved ones or see your right. friends and family and the effect of that. So I would have said pre 2020, don't be ridiculous. That could never happen here. Now I'm looking at this story. I mean, the, the ab abject cruelty of, of, of uh, clamping down on freedom of expression is one thing, but 50 years in prison for a 30-year-old man, 46 right. years in prison for a 60-year-old woman who just uploaded somebody else's words. I mean, that is incredibly scary for those of us who are passionate about free speech. And, you know, at the moment, there looks like no precedent at all for it to come here. But, you know, the, the elites and the royal families around the world are part of the elite. They're all related. They're all bloodlines. We all know that. Distant cousins here, third and fourth cousins there. You know, it, it's perfectly possible that we could see this, maybe not in the next five, 10 years, maybe not even our lifetime, Sonia, we're of a certain age, but in a hundred years time, will we be seeing this kind of, you can't question royalty? That's how it used to be. You're quite right. You're dragged off to the gallows. Questioning the, the elites was treason. Will we see yes. that again? I don't know. Yes. This, this feels to me like this is sending out a message of don't anybody else dare do it. They're, so they're making an example of these people. And they're such extreme examples, aren't they? So it, it potentially it'll have a ripple effect because you know what it's like is that these things, sometimes they don't even need to bring in laws. It just sends the fear of God through people. And they're like, oh, I won't dare do it then. So I do feel that perhaps this is about setting uh, a precedent and an example of these people. But as you say, absolute abject cruelty. I protest. Gemma, thank you so much for being here with me this week. It's been absolutely brilliant being able to chat to you after watching you on TNT. Don't go away. We will be back shortly with Dr. Claire Craig examining the issue of excess deaths on today's News Talk.
TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT. Take us back in time and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. 
We are indeed on the air 24-7. Welcome back to the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Claire Craig. Good morning, Claire. Claire. Good morning, Sonia. Good to see you. Great to have you with us. You've been at the centre of a, 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 a significant story this week. Of course, you, you're joining me to talk about excess deaths. Claire, if you're not familiar, is the author of Expired COVID, The Untold Story. She's a, a pathologist who has stood up throughout COVID and questioned the official narrative as part of the Heart Group. And Claire, your findings and your research has been a significant part of the literature that was presented this week during the excess death debate, um, Parliament with uh, MP Andrew Bridgen. Tell us, what do we know about excess deaths in the UK? And is there a global trend? Right. So with... Um... With excess deaths, you always have to first of all sort of define what you mean by that, right? Because, right. Um, because it can mean different things at different times. So sometimes people will say, well, there were excess winter deaths. You think, well, we always expect more deaths in the winter. So is that an excess, even if it, because it's more than summer? So you have to say, are we talking about compared to summertime or are we talking about compared to previous years? And so we try and compare it to previous years, but you'll have a lot more variation in wintertime because, you know, you expect a spike of deaths in the winter. So first of all, I just think I think it's worth saying that to start with and then to say that there are some government statistics agencies who are using a very funny baseline to take these measures. So right. the ONS like to include 2021 as if that was normal and say, well, there's not as much going on here because it's kind of like 2021. Think, well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Because we know a lot of people died in 2021. And then you have the problem that when a lot of people did die in 2020 and a lot of people did die in 2021, and a lot of those people were people who were quite near the end of their mortal coil in the first place. You know, these were people who were frail and a lot of them have died. Then you expect to have fewer than expected deaths, you know, fewer deaths than normal in a period after that because the people that would be dying have already died. So then right. you sort of are re-establishing it again and saying, well, actually, we really ought to be seeing fewer deaths than we've been seeing. And it's not happened anywhere. We've seen more and more and more. Um, and... The, the real concern for me started way back in spring 2021 when I was looking at the ambulance data and you see this big jump in calls for cardiac arrests. That, that you know, they, It didn't happen in January, but it sort of turned a corner and was there was this big jump and it has just stayed at this new high level ever since. And so that is a kind of big warning sign that something's coming. And sure enough, excess mortality maps that there was this jump and it has stayed at that high level since. And we've seen that happen in Australia and Singapore, which is absolutely critical because obviously in those places, COVID can't be blamed because COVID didn't really hit until 2022 with Omicron. So a lot of people want to say, oh, it's just a consequence of COVID. Well, it's not. There was something else that caused a stepwise change in excess mortality across the world from spring 2021. And it wasn't January 2021. I think, you know, a lot of people want to kind of, I think maybe they, it would be clearer in some ways if it was January 2021. Um, although things did seem to sort of stop falling at that point, but it wasn't really a problem until later. And I think that really pinpoints one of the issues we have here, 
which is that the authorities make the assumption that if a vaccine is going to cause a problem, it will do so within a week. And right. here we see a problem arising a few months on. And, and we've had this in the past with drugs that, you know, all the, all the surveillance is done in this tiny little time frame. And so it takes a long time to prove there was a problem that occurred after a bit of a longer time frame. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a sleight of hand going on there, isn't it? And I know that you have had some resistance getting information from the authorities, which we will discuss shortly. But so I, do I take from that that you're in no doubt that the excess deaths are an absolute consequence of the COVID vaccines? So I, I, I am in no doubt that the COVID vaccines have contributed to it. No doubt about that. I think it would be naive to say every extra death has been caused by that when there are other you know, reasons that we've got problems and we can all see what the other reasons were. There's, you know, the lockdown itself, yes. I'm sure, had a psychological impact, which causes stress, which we know leads to heart disease. Um, and actually, we had already seen back in autumn 2020, there were too many young people dying right back then before the vaccine. So, yeah, I think lockdowns have absolutely contributed as well. But I think and also not just oh, sorry, pardon. Yes. Well, the thing that some people want to blame it all on the lockdowns, I don't think it is that. And the, the you know the minister wants to blame it all on waiting lists. And if you look at waiting lists, you can track how they sort of you know they're gradually rising over time as the population increases. And then lockdown happens, and there's a dip because people aren't turning up. So you can look at that dip and say, well, we're probably going to see a spike that matches afterwards as we clear the backlog. And it's not a spike that matches afterwards. It's this massive rocketing in excess um, waiting lists, which happens with the vaccine rollout. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Listen, we're going to take a very short break on today's news talk. We're going to go to the news headlines and we will be back with Dr. Claire Craig. Join us. What time is it? Now, TNT Radio News. You know what time it is? Yeah. Time to read some news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Britain has effectively called on the West to prepare for World War III. The UK Defence Minister warning this week battle lines are being redrawn as the world enters a pre-war phase. North Korea claims to have tested a new underwater nuclear weapons system and a long-awaited report into the police response to the 2022 school shooting in Texas has been released and the details are damning. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Welcome back to today's News Talk. I'm joined by Dr. Claire Craig, and we're discussing the issue of a global trend of excess deaths. Claire, thank you so much for breaking it down, making it really clear that it's it can't just be attributed to one cause or another, but certainly it would appear that some agencies want to do that. Now, uh, looking at uh, some of the information that you submitted this week for the Andrew Bridgen debate, it's really interesting about the lack of transparency from the UK authorities. So you have been pursuing the UK Health Security Agency for their um, data on dosage dates and deaths for over a year. What's been the problem there? Okay, so um, I started off with an FOI just saying, well, look, what would really, really bring clarity to this point, and which would, you know, shut up some of the people who, I mean, at the time, it wasn't happening, but you'd think today, 
there are people claiming there have been 17 million deaths globally, right? I don't think that's right. And I think that, you know, I've got, we've got to a situation where there seem to be a lot of people who are attributing every single health problem and death in their community to the vaccine now. And that's not right either. You know, they, right. they, I think there's a problem, but it's not, it can't be blamed. It can't be every problem, right? So I think you have to have transparency. You have to sit, like be open about how big a problem it is. And I wrote to them saying, please, will you give me the data on an individual level? Now, I wasn't asking for any kind of details about an individual. And what I suggested they did was if I just wanted the dates of the dosages and the date of death and said, well, if you randomly add and subtract a few days to those dates, then you can't trace anything back because they're just dates. You know, there's nothing. It's just dates of dosages and deaths and an age and a sex. And um, and I went to the UK to say because ONS had sort of released similar data in their death by vaccination status, but they always analyze it first and they've just been incredibly obstructive. And I, I think the UKHSA actually have been a lot more open and honest throughout this. And, and so I kind of thought, well, I'm going to try with them. And they have the database of the vaccines and the ONS has a database of the deaths, but they have to communicate with each other because they're both releasing information about both. So the UKHSA receive information from the ONS on people in their database that have died so they can keep up to date with their data saying who's alive and how you know what's going on how many vaccinated have we got that kind of thing so i asked them to give me data on the people who have been removed from the database and they said oh yeah we've got this data but we can't share it with you because it would be it would breach confidentiality so i was like well maybe you could anonymize it and they said well maybe that would be the creation of new data and we're not obliged to create new data and so this whole process, back and forth with FOIs, it takes forever. So months oh, yes. into this process, we get to a point where I've done all the appeals and, you know, ticked all the boxes, and I'm in a position to apply to the Information Commissioner's Office and, and say, look, please, can you help me here? And actually, they were great. They emailed back straight away. I had this case officer who seemed to get it, said, yeah, you're right. Um, um, they, they've got the data. They've said they have. And what you're describing, this changing of the dates, is a process called barnardization and it's named after that because of case law which shows it's not the creation of new data you know i can show you all the case law so go back to them but he said what i want you to do is start again from scratch because you said you wanted data of who they'd removed from their database and that gives them wriggle room because they can say well they've been removed from the database they're not in it anymore we don't have that data even though they had said they had the data this is so pure obfuscation Oh, absolutely outrageous, completely distracting, taking you around in circles. As a journalist, yeah. I'm completely used to them doing that with FOIs. Yeah. Now, you say yeah. it's not helpful for us to attribute every died suddenly to the vaccine, but there certainly seems to be an increase of public people, uh, sports people dying suddenly. Now, obviously, that's not a new thing. People have always died suddenly, but there's certainly, as I say, there seems to be an increase in that. Is that fact? Um, I think that is fact. And it's a different, you know, I think there was a time when it's difficult because obviously as humans, you know, we respond emotionally to things and we 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 get take our sort of measure of the world from what we're hearing. And people had an increased willingness to share that kind of story. So that, you know, that you have to sort of be able to subtract that from what's going on like and say, well, what actually is underlying this? How much of this is true versus how much of this is talk about it? 
Um, but I think it's true. You know, I think when we do get hold of data that that measures these things, it does seem to be a real phenomenon. Um, and but it was always it had always existed. You know, people did used to die suddenly sometimes. That's it's not a new phenomenon, but I think it's more common than it was. I think the footballers phenomenon was real. It was real. And and you know, it has died away. It's still going on, but that blip in 2021 was a genuine observation of something going really wrong that everybody just wanted to dismiss and ignore. Um, right. And the other way to measure it that someone's been busy doing recently is crowdsourcing it. So um, there's a website that scrapes all the death notices from newspapers around the world. And so actually that's a way of crowdsourcing mortality data. And it, and it, you know, it shows a different picture. And so people are saying died peacefully and they're saying, died suddenly and you can pull the data on the died suddenly deaths and see when it goes up. Interesting. Interesting. Are you seeing, I mean, we know that mainstream media have absolutely ignored the debate this week. They're not interested, but then they are complicit, aren't they? Because they went along with it so fully. They were also obviously funded, uh, certainly in the UK, out of taxpayers' money for the advertising all around COVID. So the problem is, is that it's very difficult for them to roll back now and say, well, this has happened, but we were, we were promoting it and we were advertising it. But are you seeing a difference in terms of Parliament and MPs saying, okay we are prepared to acknowledge that something has taken place here um sonia absolutely it felt like a really big day on tuesday so we had lots of new faces standing up incredibly articulate they get it and the dup seemed to be really behind it you know that and they're, they're such passionate orators you know it's great yeah. to have them on side and they and they you know it's they were labor people there was a, i think there was a lib dem in there as well so there's a was a whole bunch of new people who were standing up and saying there's a problem here. And it's, I think there were 22 backbenchers who wanted to speak. Um, and so, you know, there wasn't wow. time, they get to speak. And so at the end of that process, there's a, a plan now to have a full three hour debate in the chamber. And, you know, it, it's growing, like it's another step forward that it's, it's gonna be now that, that we, we get next. And, um, and yeah, I, I really did feel positive about that. And obviously there were some people in the room who were trying to Put the other side and they weren't very good <laughs> they just weren't articulate well, they weren't well, that's the problem isn't that. it about lack of facts when you've got lack of facts i mean the thing is the reason that you're so passionate about this is because you come armed with facts and data and all of this incredible information but they are still vaccinating children claire that it, that troubles me greatly and that the press pack that was given out the briefing papers are some really important questions including why are we still vaccinating healthy children any answers to that um, yeah, it's appalling. I mean, I think in reality, there are very few, but that doesn't really excuse it, does it? It doesn't excuse it at all. And I mean, it's almost like how when AstraZeneca was shown to be harmful, we didn't withdraw it. It was just sort of quietly right. not done so much anymore. And it's the right. same with the children. They haven't really stopped. They're just sort of not doing it so much anymore. Like, they will never, ever admit any of these mistakes. Right. Uh, hope and love and peace says in the comments, well done to you, Claire and Andrew B. Uh, we Fat Shug says they're evil, knows no bounds. And Shin says, I mean, because um, Chris is saying standing up now, where were they three years ago? And Shin responds, still better late than never. But you're right, Chris. So obviously there is a divide, isn't there, amongst people. It's like, why weren't you talking before? Because Claire, you put yourself on the line to speak up when it was unfashionable and unpopular. So 
you have to wonder why others weren't prepared to do that as well, certainly in the medical profession. Well, absolutely. But the thing is, when I was doing that and when other people were saying it too, we were all being um, a combined sort of process of being suppressed, but also massively attacked. And so when yes. people see people being massively attacked, they they don't go there and they drift the other way. You know, it works. Yes. So that, that strategy yes. works. Yes, it does scare everybody off and it has that ripple effect of making others really fearful to speak up. Claire, I'm so grateful to you joining us this morning and illuminating the issue of excess deaths. This is Dr. Claire Craig. She is the author of Expired, COVID, The Untold Story. We will go to a short break and be back shortly. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. For years, Democrats have made the argument that we need illegal immigration because who else is going to do the dirty work in this country? Who's going to pick the crops? I've heard them say who's going to clean the toilets. Well, Jerry Nadler, Democrat from New York, was at it last week. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level, which means our population is going to start shrinking. Now, he didn't mention the toilets this time around. And you know what? If this was a Republican argument, they'd be called xenophobes and racists. But because we don't have a real media in this country, Democrats get a pass. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. This is the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk, TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk. I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Stevens. Dan is a researcher. He's a whistleblower. You also testified at the Commons sports doping scandal, didn't you, Dan? What was that about? Well, yeah, I, I initially come into this kind of subject of, of truth and investigation through sports and doping. Um, and I'd, I'd been a cyclist since I was, God, um, probably 16, 17 years old. I'm 48 now. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've always I've always been on the road uh, training, sort of, you know, up to 100 mile training rides. So I'm used to seeing clouds. I'm used to seeing, you know, feeling the wind and I kind of know the weather. And I've known I've seen a, a massive change in the weather outside of what you'd call uh, climate change. Uh, what I've seen is the manipulation of the weather. Well, that is interesting. That's exactly what you're here to talk about. Mm. And uh, and the reason that I wanted to tell everybody about you being the whistleblower, excuse me, of the sports doping scandal is simply because you are somebody who observes things that are going uh, uh, that are going wrong, and you are prepared to speak up and be counted about it. And I think that's absolutely vital. And you have obviously been observing our sky and you're here really to question why others aren't and uh, you presented me with a series of very interesting questions and I see no reason why we shouldn't attempt to tackle them so first of all the Royal Institution report which was a House of Commons report on the regulation of geoengineering what can you tell us about that Dan well the when I first started looking at the subject what I what I noticed the most was 
on Twitter, there was a, a large bot campaign trying to debunk it. So you then start looking at, you know, legitimate patents and research that's been going on and reports written by government, etc. And, and you find two reports. You find the first report in 2009 is the House of Commons, uh, is the, the Royal Institution report. And that's followed uh, a year later in 2010 by the House of Commons report on the regulation of geoengineering. So when you when you look at the uh, Royal Institution report, what that starts with uh, it, is it tackles the subject matter in terms of the defining names. So, for example, if he was calling it chemtrails, um, what they would say is is they need to articulate what geoengineering is, and they define it as a process to block out the sun um, through solar radiation management, climate remediation, and um, they use various methods where they 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 spray aerosols in the sky. And when you read the report, you, you find at page 59, they they clearly say that the public um, would reject that, uh, especially where it involves the uh, the spraying of aerosols into the sky. So we, we know that in 2009, they were planning to do this. In 2011 and 2010, sorry, they were planning to regulate what they're doing. Um, and we know what they're doing um, is is including aerosol spraying and we know that they know that the public would reject that so that that's your starting point in 2009 right. they've already decided they need to do this uh they've already um used the house of commons to create a a regulatory framework for what they're going to do um but at the same time they know the public will reject that um and when they so they'll do it anyway yeah, and, and the reports are interesting because what they say in, in the in one of the reports, they say that there's a, a process of, of rolling this out through uh, policy making, uh, a combination of hard law or a combination of soft law. Um, and they, they talk about or they skirt around the subject of, of rolling this out and, and basically doing it whether the public are going to like it or accept it or not. So, the, you know, they these... These reports are really discussing um, what they're going to do in terms of how they're going to do it. So, for example, the objective is to reflect sunlight. So if the local community, say a housing estate, for example, all agreed that they were paint all of their all of their roads white, the roofs of their houses white, and they specifically say this in the report, that that isn't good enough. That isn't what they want because white roads although it will reflect sunlight. That's not what they want to do. What they want to do is uh, a process of stratospheric aerosol spraying. Um, Why? Under the pretext of solar radiation management. Right. So Okay. So, so you, didn't, you didn't get into the methodology of what these guys are, are, are talking about. And the objective is cloud thinning. So spray particles into the sky to reflect the sunlight and then apply other processes to thin those clouds out and, and what you're seeing in the sky at the moment is a is a process of of cloud thinning where they they manufacture a cloud um these these trails that are spraying become uh, quite a dense cloud and then the cloud gets thinned through another process so it's not only a process of of um spraying aerosols into the sky it's also a process of then thinning those clouds out once they've been sprayed so the the technology we're talking about is 
is in effectively it's space age technology this is this is akin to you know right. building rockets to fly to the moon right. and it's something that we should be celebrating on on the basis of there there being a, a you know a large scale technological development that allows us to control the weather but of course that's not what we're doing what what we're seeing here is a a wholesale debunking campaign designed to pretend this isn't going on while at the same time they're right they're publishing reports to tell you that they're doing it yeah, absolute that, psychological gaslighting is outrageous. But the thing is, you know as well as I do, talking about the bots online, this is one subject where you get completely demonised. I've been talking about geoengineering for at least, I don't know, maybe 15 years now. And I, that's the subject where people come after you go, oh, you know, you're a nutter, there's something wrong with you. But Dan, yeah. in the last decade, have you noticed a clear difference in our skies? Well, if I go back to the cycling, we would we would typically, you know, train in one direction, perhaps ride 50 miles in one direction, turn around and ride 50 miles back in the other direction. So logically, you'd have a headwind one way and a tailwind the other way. Um, you know, on, on shorter training rides, we'd maybe do, you know, an hour, 30 minutes one way, 30 minutes the other way. What we were noticing is that you were getting um, almost circular headwinds. So you'd you'd have a headwind on the way out, you'd turn around, you'd have a headwind on the way back. And and what what's happening is where they're they they are using this solar radiation management there and they're thinning the clouds, it creates um temperature changes in the upper atmosphere. So the wind isn't blowing from left to right. The 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 wind is moving as you're moving, you're changing the temperature. So if you're if you've got hot weather and you're artificially making that cold from above. That wind disperses in all directions, outwards and below the cloud. So the hot air has to go somewhere, and this is what's causing a lot of these high right. winds and blustery weather conditions you're seeing at the moment. Um, but of course, these these guys know that, and and you're right in what you're saying. There's this is the subject that Ooh. it tops COVID, it tops yes. the pandemic, it tops disease X, um, and it it, it 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 tops the vaccines as well. Right. Um, so my view is that potentially the pandemic is a cover story in which they've used to roll out a global geoengineering operation from 2020 onwards. Now, when you look at these bots, they the, the tail is in the bots because the, the bots typically will respond um, with comments like, OK, um, why, why do you think they're doing it? What do you think is in the clouds? Well, obviously, you know, you, you can't climb up to the clouds and test this yourself. Um, right. But the other just, thing to, they just, say to, just to interject there, just briefly, but aren't we going to get particles? And I say this because I was sent this by a viewer in Southampton, and, and this was from 2023. And she believes it's... Uh, she's titled it metal rain from Southampton in England. And I have contacted numerous university departments to see if they will take a sample and give me an idea what it is. And everybody's rejecting me. So if there's anybody out there who is prepared to test this and let me know what it possibly is, but these are particles that rain down in this woman's garden. And I'd like to know what that is. So sorry, Dan, just to, so just to say, yes, go on, please continue. Yeah. Well, well, this, this is the thing with, with, with how I saw things in going back to the pandemic. So in in um in March the pandemic started and they the the ultimate aim of that was to down the aircraft. And in that period what we saw is uh like a white film covering the roads, almost as if they'd been sorted. 
and obviously you know we were cycling on those roads in shorts and t-shirts and there was obviously no need to to sort those roads so that's when i really became interested in this this kind of geoengineering chemtrail thing because i'd always been following kind of alternative news and stuff like that and a lot of these channels just don't talk about it so the viewer then adopts a position where they say well okay if these channels aren't talking about this but they are talking about shape-shifting lizard people um then it would seem that that because they're hyper novel truthers if they're not talking about it there can't be anything in it right and that's when you start realizing that some of these truth subjects are uh manufactured as a distraction and, and it sucks you in that way. So you think, mm. well, okay, you know, if if some of these, these these massive truth accounts who are who are you know talking about aliens and Egypt and things like this aren't talking about chemtrails, then surely they would have noticed it, and and surely it, it must be a crazy conspiracy theory. But obviously, it's not. The other subjects are a crazy conspiracy theory, and and this is the truth, and 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 this is uh, seen in the Royal Institution reports, and and how they're going to manage the rollout of this. So. Here's a hypothetical situation, right? Go on. You develop a global geoengineering program um, in which you want to whiten the skies globally. And you know the public are going to reject this. And, and we know the bulk of the public have just taken an experimental vaccine to get a two-week holiday in Benidorm. Hmm. So if you go back to that public and say, okay, fine, um, we're going to do this geoengineering, but you're not going to get sunshine anymore. Do we think they would accept it or reject it? Obviously, mm. they would reject that. Mm. So, if you want, so if you wanted to roll this this out, and you don't know the side effects of the toxicity of what you're spraying, um, what you one of the things you would need to do is collect a deep nasal swab before you roll out the spray in large scale. Because what you want to do is collect a, a standardized um, control set of data to see what the general public um, have been inhaling before you roll this out large scale. Now, you know, one of the things that the bots will say is, well, they've been doing this for years and years and years. Well, we know they have, but that's on a research and development level. That isn't a wide, that isn't a large right, scale global right. basis. So you're so, saying that COVID was the perfect cover in order to be able to do this on a mass scale. Well, that's that's what I'm your saying theory, is right? What I'm saying hypothetically, yeah, is that if you was going to roll this out on a mass scale, um, because none of these reports talk about the known side effects because they've never rolled it out on a massive scale like this before. If the report, the geoengineering report by the Royal Institution says that the public would almost certainly reject the um, the principle of this especially right. where where there's a need for large-scale experimentation so the large-scale experimentation they're talking about global they're not talking about national local regional they're talking about global because you're dealing with the the planet's ecosystem um so what you need to do is is pcr swab people to see what level of toxicity they've got in their system before you do the spraying so one of the things you would need to do bearing in mind you've already been doing some of these experiments on a on a on a regional basis what you need to do is clear the skies completely now if you need if you want to down all of the airplanes all over the world there's no way you're going to be able to do that without telling people why you're doing it unless you're restricting so, travel interesting right. yes right now so here's, that, here's yes go here's on. one really important piece of information 
is that the the planes were downed until uh july 2020 so we they mandated face masks in july 2020 when the planes returned to the sky so we're already six months into a pandemic or you're know, three months into excuse me three months into a pandemic um and have not mandated masks now the point in which they mandate masks is where they put those planes back in the sky and where those planes start a large-scale geoengineering a global geoengineering operation that that i mean that is interesting i i, I want to make sure that we get this final point in before the end of the show because i think this is really important many people believe that covid was a myth it was you know a cover story that there are no such things as viruses they don't believe in germ theory they believe very much more in terrain theory and you do believe that that the possibility is that sickness was actually caused by the sprayed chemicals correct yeah the these like you know you look at the symptoms loss of smell well, that's what you get if you're breathing in these these toxins the pcr swabs are nasal the uh, n95 face masks don't work against the virus but they do work against airborne air-based spraying um so all of all of this stuff makes sense and especially when you you consider that they return the planes to the sky in july since then we've seen this operation increase incrementally so they're able to ramp up the intensity of it as they're taking PCR samples. Now, the public have been coerced into reporting the side effects. So as you're doing the PCR samples, what you're saying is um, we want you to volunteer to, to go into the yellow card reporting system and tell us what your symptoms are. Now, that to do that, you've got to create horror stories around vaccines and an anti-vax right. scenario. Now, right. when you when you get into the vaccine itself, Every single country all over the world is run a story where it says that their saline solutions have been injected into people and not the vaccines. So you, you obviously know what a limited hangout is. Sure. And you, you understand how this would be a case of getting ahead of the story if that story ever broke. Right. So if it was ever discovered that there are that all of these injections were saline solutions, the saline solution cover story is already out there in every language, Interesting. in every country, Interesting. China, Japan. France, Spain, England, every single country has got that. Yeah, that is interesting. Let me read some of the comments here, Dan. Um, uh, just a bloke, oh, the comments flying past. Just a bloke says, I live under the Biggin Hill, uh, Gatwick flight pass, plenty of planes. Oh, sorry, this is going so fast. Plenty of planes taking off during lockdown. The difference between contrails, um, natural and chemtrails, is that contrails are continuous and disappear within minutes of the plane passing. Chemtrails do not. They linger endlessly. Absolutely. Um, the planes doing the springs are not commercial ones, says Skippy. Um, yeah. And and uh, Shug says, oh, no, not Shug. Matt says, dread to think what I used to breathe in when I was in China. Sometimes the air smell of fumes and your eyes would weep. I mean, there is no denying that there there is no. there is frequently a smell in the air that you can't quite put your finger on what it's about. But it, it feel it smells burnt, doesn't it? Yeah. And this this point where uh, there's a perception that for this to happen, it would have to be all of the commercial airliners would need to be on in it. There are hundreds and hundreds of planes doing this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the people that are pushing that, that I'm going to have to speed bots. you up a little bit, Dan. Go on, go for it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the bots trying to push this. So the thing that's important to remember here is that you've got 47 million people in the UK all seeing the same 20, 20 odd planes doing the spraying. The country yeah. is 600 meters long. And if you fly yeah. to Edinburgh, you literally take off and land. So it doesn't yeah. take hundreds of planes. It takes a few yeah. planes on the I hear you. 
I hear you. I'm going to have to bring you back. I still have so many, many questions. This has been Dan Stevens. This has been the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. Thank you for helping me to survive my first week. I've hugely enjoyed it. I will shortly be joining Abby Roberts, where we can both review our first week together. I want to say thank you to everybody who has been with me this week, all of our guests, all of you in the chat. Dan Stevens, who has just gone off the screen, the brilliant team operating behind. Thank you so much. I've greatly enjoyed this first week and I will see you again in this spot on Monday, if not shortly with Abby Roberts. Take excellent care of yourself. Have a great weekend.